Hello and welcome to our CBC online service today. My name is Andy and I'm part of the staff team here at Chichester Baptist Church. We're in week two in our Gospel DNA series, looking at Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4. Brilliant chapters to read and respond to and also to consider what can we learn from the life of the early church that we can kind of implement, that we can copy, that we can learn from together as God's people today. Now I'm going to deliver today's message a little bit differently. Um, you'll see behind me I've got two big sheets of today's passage. Now you might want to print those out, there should be a link for you to print those out where you are. And I'm going to help us to explore this speech. I've got four different colour pens and I'm going to be using the different colour pens to kind of underline and annotate different bits as we go through. In the first bit of Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are going about their everyday business on their way to pray at the temple at three o'clock and they come across this man who hasn't been able to walk since birth. He asks them for some money. Silver and gold they don't have but they do say to him in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth get up and walk and amazingly the man walks and Peter delivers a speech off the back of this. During lockdown, I've had the chance to hear some speeches I hadn't heard before. I watched the movie Seldom, which follows part of the civil rights movement story in the US. I heard Winston Churchill's speech on VE Day as we explored and celebrated the 75th anniversary of Victory in Europe Day with our family and our street. Now this speech was less prepared and maybe less broadcast today, but it is full of the power of gospel words. I want us to consider what we can learn from it today. I'm going to start with my green pen just to help us think what is going on, who is involved here, what's the setting? And so we have Peter and John and all the people who were astonished about this miracle that came running to them to find out what happened. Where were they? Well they were just outside the main temple in Solomon's colonnade. Who is it? that Peter is talking to. Who is this message addressed to? Well, it's addressed in verse 12 and in verse 17 to the fellow Israelites, the people that would have had the same faith story as Peter and John growing up knowing the Old Testament. That's who this message is pitched to. And they're astounded and they're wondering, how has this man miraculously been healed? What's special about Peter and John? Where have they got this power from. Now Peter is quick to point away from himself and towards Jesus. To point away from himself and towards Jesus. He says, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? It wasn't about them. It wasn't about their power. And Peter wants to point towards Jesus. He does this directly in verse 16 when he says, By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that's completely healed him, as you can all see. He very quickly and very clearly points away from it being about anything to do with his power but power that comes 
in the name of Jesus, by faith in the name of Jesus, who's made this man strong. It's Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that's completely healed this man. He's quick to point towards the power of Jesus. He does this not just in this story, but he takes the opportunity to point out who Jesus is and what he is like. In verse 13, he describes him as a servant. In verse 14, he describes him as holy and righteous one, holy, set apart, righteous, having lived the perfect life, a sin-free life. Righteous in the sense that he did everything right, but righteous also in the sense that he's enabled us to be right with God again through his death and through his resurrection. This is good news that Peter is keen to share. He describes him in verse 15 as the author of life. He describes him as the Messiah, the one that his fellow Israelites had also been longing for. Peter is quick to take the opportunity to say that this miraculous event, this answer to prayer, was through the power of Jesus. He's quick to point out who Jesus is. Now there are times when we will have the opportunity to tell people why things have happened, why there's certain answers to prayer, why certain things have happened in our life. Now we can be like Peter in being quick to point to it being God's power, the power of Jesus. I love hearing what's going on in the life of people in our church. And just a couple of weeks ago, I was speaking to someone who'd been having a conversation whilst doing some gardening with someone who'd shared a little bit of their story and was pointing to the power of Jesus. They came and asked if we had a Bible that we could give them from the church. And so it was a joy to pass this Bible on so that someone could discover the power of the gospel words. May we see the power of Jesus in this story and may we also have the courage to point people to the power of Jesus that is at work in our world and in our lives as well. I love that in this story, Peter kind of says, despite of what you've done, I often talk to people, and I feel like this myself sometimes as well, that how, people kind of asking the question, how can I know God? How can God love me? How can I have life with God forever? How can I even talk to God? But Peter says it's despite of what his hearers have done. And he doesn't just say it once, several times he kind of points the finger, the blame at them that led to Jesus dying. He says in verse 13, you handed him, him being Jesus, over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate. He's saying despite of what you did. Verse 14, you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. In verse 15, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. Despite of what they had done, despite the efforts collectively of some of the Jewish people to do away with Jesus. Jesus rose from the dead and because of that they could all have life in God. Peter was so keen and passionate to share this transformative message. Sometimes we might feel, how can we know God? Well, despite of what we've done, maybe we weren't there in the crowd 
at Passover that led to Jesus being killed. But maybe there might be times in the way we've spoken to God, in the way we've ignored him, in the way we've lived our lives, we might think, how can I know God? Now, despite what we've done, Peter proclaims that there is good news and a way for us to know God. In this speech, Peter speaks the language of the Jewish hearers. He lets them know really clearly that this is part of their story. That this is part of their story. In verse 13, where does this power come from? Well, he says it's the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers. These words you can find in Exodus chapter 3, when the readers will be reading about and hearing about the burning bush and wondering who is it that was revealing himself to Moses through the burning bush? Whose power was there? And we hear the words, it being the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers. Whose power was it? Well, it was God's power. Whose power was evident in this healing? It was God's power. And it was God's power through the name of Jesus. He uses the language of Isaiah by talking about a servant Jesus. Isaiah loves to talk about the servant who was going to come, that people could be forgiven. All through this, we see language of the Jewish story, language of the Old Testament being used. He acknowledges that it might have been an ignorance that they acted. But somehow this was part of the Jewish story. God fulfilled what he'd foretold through all the prophets, verse 18 says. Verse 22 points out to what Moses had promised, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. He's saying that Jesus fulfilled what was prophesied through Moses. This was part of their story. It fits with the story of Samuel and all the prophets who had foretold that a Messiah who would suffer, a servant who would suffer, would come. It is part of what the prophets had said. It was part of the covenant that God had made with their fathers. It was part of the promise that came through Abraham, that through your offspring, all the peoples on earth would be blessed. Peter wants to make it really clear for the fellow Jewish people, the Israelites who is listening to, that Jesus fulfilled their story. This just strengthens and encourages my faith as we look at the story. And we too can point to each other and point to others that Jesus came and fulfilled the story of the Old Testament. But just being real for a moment, we acknowledge that many people don't know the story of the Old Testament. They don't know the Jewish story. But there are many other stories going on in our culture that Jesus is also the answer to. People are asking questions about identity. How do we understand who we are? How we've been made? How we're meant to function? Well, the answer is found in Jesus and in the power of gospel words, in the blueprint that we see in the Bible of how we're best meant to function. People are asking questions of how do we know a sense of belonging? Well, the answer is found in finding a home in 
in Jesus and a place of belonging among his people. We want to, in this kind of gospel DNA way of thinking, we want to be a church that kind of copies some of the characteristics of the early church in being open and embracing and sharing and loving of people from all different sorts of backgrounds. People can find a sense of belonging and home in God and in his family. People are asking questions of, of self-worth, of self-esteem. That's a story that is going on in our world. Well, the answer of where we get our value from, where we get our worth from, is found in Jesus, who values us so much, who loves us so much, that he died and rose again, that we are broken people can be restored. Peter spoke the language, the story of the people he was speaking to. We can be encouraged by the fulfilment that we see in that, but we can also copy him as we have opportunities to share our faith by speaking the language of those around us and pointing to the fact that Jesus is the answer, that he's the rescuer, that he's the one that fulfills, that he's the one that brings the sense of identity, the sense of belonging, the sense of hope, the sense of well, so what? What a helpful speech. Well, in verse 19, Peter lands. I'm going to have to reuse one of my pens. I think we're going to go back to, back to green for this, for the so what. What does he say? What should they do? What should their response be? Well, he says to repent, which means to, to turn around, as if you're going this way, to do a 180 and go the other way. Or as the youth version puts it, to change your hearts and lives then. That's the response that he was calling for. To turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, so that we can be forgiven, so we can be guilt-free, despite of what we've done, because Jesus died and rose again. So that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. We can know forgiveness, we can know refreshment, and there's promise that Jesus is going to come again. When thinking about this theme of refreshment, Tom Wright, in his commentary on this passage, tells the story of him being on a long summer's day walk in Scotland. And unbelievably, it was really hot that day in the Scottish Highlands. And him and his friends, uh, they're coming maybe two thirds of the way through their walk, and they're longing to be back in their camp. They're longing to take their hot, sweaty boots off and dip them in the stream. They're longing for a nice cold drink. And on the track they're going on, they see a four by four coming towards them. And it's someone from where they're staying. And they've brought with them some lovely, refreshing, cold drinks. And they get to stop and take a drink and have a foretaste of what it's gonna be like to get to the end. In Peter, Peter's speech, he points to the fact that one day, God is gonna restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. There's going to be a day, the Bible talks about a new heaven and a new earth, where there'll be no pain and no suffering, where we'll fully know this refreshment. But by putting our faith in Jesus now, we can know the refreshment of his love and his peace and his friendship and his lordship in our lives now. Peter calls the people to respond by turning back to God turning away from their own way of living and turning and putting their faith in Jesus who healed this man just outside the temple so that their sins could be forgiven and that they can know the refreshment that God gives.
And that's available for each and every one of us today. Just as Peter pleaded with and passionately tried to convince people to turn back to God. If you're listening to this today and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, let me do the same. Put your trust in Jesus, who offers forgiveness. Invite him into your heart today. Turn to live his way, that you might know the refreshment, the love, the joy, the peace, the friendship that God's Spirit can bring to you today. I've really enjoyed looking at Peter's speech this week. I love that he took the opportunity to point away from himself and point towards the power of Jesus and the words that describe Jesus as well. As disciples of Jesus, may we have the courage to do the same when there's opportunities to point at God at work in our lives. Let's take the opportunity to point towards the power of Jesus and who he is. Let's know that we can be part of this despite of what we've done. And let's communicate with our friends and family that we long to know this as well, that knowing God isn't something we earn, but it's despite of what we've done and the choices that we've made, that it's possible through Jesus dying and rising again. Let's point each other and those we're hoping to share faith with to the fact that Jesus came and fulfilled the story of the Old Testament. And he also fulfills the longing of human hearts today, whether we're searching for a sense of identity, for belonging, for worth. Jesus is the answer and he transforms lives. And let's have the courage to point people to find forgiveness and refreshment in God, in God alone. I love hearing stories from people in our church. Like I said, here's another one. In our prayer meeting last week, uh, a young lady shared that she just felt prompted by God to go into a cafe last week. And so she did. She went into a cafe. She wasn't quite sure what she was doing there, but she felt the Holy Spirit prompt her to go in there. And she ended up bumping in to a young man who she knew years ago. And she had the chance to share faith with him. And she actually led him to put his faith in Jesus, there and there, in the cafe. The power of gospel words. The gospel is powerful. And it brings life and transformation to people today. And as God's people, just like in Acts chapter 3, we can have courage to share the story of Jesus, to share the power of Jesus and invite people to know forgiveness and to know the refreshment that comes by putting our faith in Jesus. Let's continue to be a missional people. Let's continue to point people to the power of Jesus. It's the same power that we read about in Abraham, in Moses, in Samuel, is the same power that's evident that we see in Jesus. It's the same power that the disciples are demonstrating. It's the same power that we can share with those around us. The power of the name of Jesus. What a beautiful name. What a powerful name. The name of Jesus. God bless you.